Hey Rippers, are you learning how to surf? But have you got a clue? Or are you a big old kook? Since there's a million ways to kook it, you should stick around and learn a few things. Cause if you don't know, let me tell you right now that surfers love to spot a kook. But don't get all stressed about it, cause everyone kooks it once in a while. And that's the reason we started KookCast. Cause the more you know, the less you'll kook it. <laughs> so bust out your swimmies and get ready to learn. KookCast is here to lead you on your journey out of kookdom one episode at a time. And hopefully, offer you some traction on this slippery slope between kookery and killing it. I'm your host, Coach Chris, and I started the surf coaching and education resource, thesurfcontinuum.com. This week on the show, we got Holly Hisenkamp, a kook's journal, for those of you who know her virtually. She's on the show to talk a little bit about her summer project, which was to surf 100 days in a row and document it all. Pretty sweet little project, if not just for the commitment, but also for the fact that she had to come home and upload those videos and all that. Take it from someone who knows about uploading videos, it's not easy. <laughs> you get pretty fed up pretty fast. All right, here we go. Let's talk to Holly. So nice to meet you, officially. Yeah, you too. You too. Congratulations on uh, completing your 100 days surfing goal. That's awesome. Thank you. It was quite the journey. Yeah. Uh, lots of challenges and stuff along the way, but I I feel really happy with how it went. Right on. So let's start from the beginning. We'll get to that. Why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and how you started surfing um yeah start from the beginning okay well technically i caught my first wave in florida okay um, on a trip with my family and my so i'm from michigan and i actually didn't know that there was surf in michigan until i left michigan and moved to hawaii um so my whole childhood i kind of saw surfing from a distance it seemed and i always wanted to do it and then I took just, you know, like a, what you would teach, like a surfing lesson kind of thing, but more just about, you know, getting on the wave versus like, you know, what you guys are going for. But that was technically my first surfing experience. And then when I moved here, I started surfing when I got here in 2018, which was about three years ago. Um, and here, Hawaii. Yes, here in Hawaii. Mm -hmm. at 20 I was 20 years old so how old are you now 23 okay um so learning to surf here was a very humbling experience to say the least um because there's so many talented people here and the breaks here can get I guess pretty crowded you know so just learning how to navigate through that and learning also just how to navigate on your board um so that was kind of my official intro to surfing and my first board actually that i bought was i'm sure you would probably i don't know what you would think about this but it was a six eight lane beachley surfboard um whoa it must have been like a little chip yeah <laughs> I mean, that's a pro surfer right there. So I can only imagine her boards are 
low volume, high performance, difficult for a beginner. Yeah, I, not impossible, I, but yeah, yeah, I definitely I took like a full month going to this spot on the west side called Thousand Peaks, which is basically it's like a longboarding wave. Um, and I just spent a month like in the whitewash, just like falling over and over and over and over again. Also, just like falling while being on my surfboard because it was so small. <laughs> <laughs> just like a straight, I don't know, maybe yeah, a month yeah. is too glorious. Maybe like two months of just <laughs> doing that over and over again. And then eventually I kind of got the hang of it, I guess. Um, and On the Lane Beachley board. Nice. Were you catching like the open face, unbroken waves, or just sticking to the white water? Really yeah, impressive yeah. in two months. Um, well, you know, yeah, it was. There was a, there was a lot of struggle moments, but it got to a point where I felt pretty comfortable being like my max was like eight feet, but like I was scared. Like it was not, it wasn't a good, it wouldn't have been a good idea for me to go there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I love that board so much. I went through that. That's like my, the best board. I think ironically I could have started with because it's just, I made so many special memories with that board. Mm. Um, but later on, I get more into like longboarding, which is what okay. I like. Right on. So, so you're the beginning of surfing for you is in Hawaii, 20 years old on Lane Beachley's high performance stick. Yeah. In the whitewater. Yeah. But I, eventually I, getting to the outside and, and taking off on true waves, setting them up with good positioning and timing on that little chip. How big was it? You said six, eight? Six, eight. So it was like a fun board. I guess that's what the yeah, I mean, okay, so I mean, uh, but I bet you it was thin as hell and super narrow, right? Do you remember all the dimensions? Just because I'm curious, this is like this is a small surfboard for you. I'm uh, uh, Lane Beachley six eight is probably the board she uses when it's like double overhead and she needs a little extra volume from her standard very low volume high performance shortboard. You know. Just to clarify, like this isn't actually Lane Beachley's surfboard. <laughs> yeah, I know. I figured that. It's <laughs> her model. <laughs> it's her model, right? 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 But it's but it's so I I want I'm just so curious about the board because I'm sure that if it's a pro mo a pro surfer's model board, it's probably pretty low volume. Anyway, that's just it actually resonates with me kind of pretty pretty well because that's how I started surfing I didn't know what I was doing I was like 11 or 12 years old when I picked out my first surfboard and I picked it out because it the price was right you know it was like eight dollars over what I had in my envelope back at home so I was like mom dad can can I have eight dollars I finally found a surfboard I can afford it was a six two the one saving grace was that it was like a 90s shortboard so it had a little extra beef in the rails and and but it still was not an ideal learning board, but it did kind of make me prove that I really wanted it. You know, like you had to really want it because I spent, it didn't take me two months to catch my first wave. It probably took me a lot longer than that to get outside and be catching like open face waves. So actually hearing this story is just reminding me of myself and kind of warms my heart a little bit because you, you persevered, you made it through the hard part. <laughs> All right, carry on. So you, 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 what was your next board? Um, my next board. So I started working at a surf shack, um, just kind of working in the shop and doing kids camps and stuff. So 
I kind of had access to a lot of boards after Ooh, that. Nice. Um, and I don't know if you, um, I recently shared about this on social media that my partner um, convinced my old boss to let him buy the best surfboard that they have there to bring back back to bring with me um it's a 80 jimmy lewis and it's like kind of pink and stuff that's the board i would ride the most um when i was working there so i would say that was kind of my next board but i stayed with that board until i went back to michigan for a little while and then when i came back here i tried to find the next board but I developed such a special relationship with my first board that I think I probably went to like through like two or three boards that I was kind of like meh mm-hmm. uh, about until this Jimmy Lewis. I'm super happy now with that one as well. But I did actually, I have during my 100 days of summer, I, since I knew I was going to be traveling, I got an Edo Odyssey soft top. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to worry about like traveling with a uh fiberglass or just a hard board um which that would that those are fun i definitely when i put the mount in it i kind of i think i waterlogged it a little bit what did you have to like pierce the foam or something to get the mounts or something because isn't it like a sticker um so sticker mounts are for hard top boards um and then if you want to put a mount in a soft top board, you have to literally like drill a hole through it. Oh wow. yeah, that'll do it. I, that's one of my hundred days of summer stories is I had a soft top that I just kept putting, I put a sticker on it and uh, just kept falling off, but I luckily never lost a GoPro, but that's definitely how you would lose it. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I remember seeing in your stories over the summer that you, you did have some GoPro issues though, huh? Which uh, someone who's dealing with tech, I realize that's inevitable. You're going to have tech issues. Um, that must have been kind of frustrating though when you've got a project planned and in mind. Yeah, and the whole like commitment behind it, I definitely, it was like some pressure situations. Um, I think I went through four GoPros. Wow, in 100 days? In a hundred days, um, and yeah, I, I, I didn't literally buy four GoPros though. I was buying them through Costco because their return policy is so good. Oh, nice! Uh, but the last one I returned, they were like, "Listen, lady, like you can't <laughs> do this. We're gonna have to get our manager if you return them." <laughs> we're on to you, lady. <laughs> um, That's so funny. But. Yeah, definitely lots of technical difficulties. I definitely want to make like a video reviewing the uh, Hero 9, even though they just came out with the 10. Um, Yeah, it would still be relevant though. You know, like people would still have the 9. Okay, all right. So before we get ahead of ourselves, because I know what you did this summer and you know what you did, but the listeners don't that don't know you. So talk about your project that you put together for yourself and how you, you know, everything around it and, you know, why you needed the GoPro and what was the goal and why and blah 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 yeah so um i think technically it was may 28th um and i was just my sister was visiting island and we were just at the beach and this idea just popped in my head because i was kind of realizing that i was like okay 
man, I'm 23. Like if I want to get good at surfing, I have to like start some now, like this is this now is the time. Um, and while she was visiting, I was recording everything with my GoPro, which I kind of took a break from doing because I love to make videos um, artistically and vloggy and whatever, that kind of stuff. So being with her kind of reminded me how much I loved doing that. And I wanted to spend the summer instead of just like chilling to kind of hone in on a skill and focus on the character trait of commitment, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I came up with this idea two days before I started it because I wanted to start it June 1st. And the mission was to surf for a hundred days straight in Maui, California and Michigan, um, because I was going to travel to California and Michigan anyway that summer. So it all kind of tied in perfectly and kind of the daily goal was to go out there every day, catch a wave. I never caught just one wave though. It was always, I would always, sometimes I would say one wave, but it would end up being three because you can't just go out and catch one. Right. I know you did all the hard parts. (laughs) And once you're out there, it's like, well, maybe paddle back out and get another one. Yeah. Um, and record it every day and create some sort of daily upload, daily journal log of my surfing experience that day Mm -hmm. and kind of have that to look back on and watch the progression if, if there was going to be any and, um, yeah, make follow through, make the commitment. (laughs) Right, right. No, I love that. You know, it's, it's not all about like, I don't know, some very specific goal in performance of your surfing or anything like that. I think it's too, like surfing is too, uh, like what happens along the journey of surfing isn't entirely up to you, you know? So, and how good you get and how fast you progress, you can't really, I don't know, it, it directly control that, I guess is what I'm saying, you know, but you can commit to doing a hundred days in a row and follow through on that and then come out the other end and be like, I did what I said I would do. And in some way or another, you improved for it, you know, whether it was just your paddling technique. I mean, everything improves just with more water. So I, I think that's just a really cool goal to have. Cause I mean, you know, you listen to KootCast. So one of the biggest, um, you know, themes that we preach is just, get out there and do it. You know, like there is no secrets. You just got to keep going. And surfing is one of the hardest ones to, to do that at, because again, you don't have control over the environment. You know, you don't, it's not like a, a built stadium with a, a measured distance between two hoops or two goalposts or whatever. It's all changing and it's different every time. So one day you might feel like you get wired and the next day you come back and you're off your game. And that's the beauty of it. I think, you know, as being this athlete and artist who can, acclimate to the to the environment and what you're working with and and be proficient setting totally and the adventure of it too like even just you know getting there and the life challenges that you know present themselves and i mean i think if anyone has the time i would definitely recommend like trying to surf for a specific amount of days that you want to commit to because it's just such an adventure. Like it makes life, you wake up and you know, you're going to go on some sort of adventure that day. Like Mm. whether it be easygoing and non-resistant or whether there's like lots of life resistant and you really have to like get creative with something or another. It's just really fun. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Love it. Um, Okay. So that brings up a good, good question. 
Tell me about the worst day in those 100 days, whether it was conditions and wave-wise or getting to the beat or whatever, though just the worst day of it all. And then on the other side, what was the best one? Oh, the best day. Okay. Um, so I would say the most challenging day or like the worst day was specifically in California. Um, because right before I went to California, I was here and within the last week that I was here on Maui, um, I started to get sick and I ended up recovering like a day or two before my flight. And I was like, great, like just in time, this is perfect. But I had a red eye. Um, and so maybe just the combination of traveling and lack of sleep and maybe I literally physiologically convinced myself I was better for the trip or something. Um, but just, I, we, we flew the whole night and it was like one of those nights where you only sleep for like a half an hour or something. And um, there was, so we landed and I started to feel ill again. And I was like, oh man, like I have family events to go to. My boyfriend's sister is getting married. So I'm trying to juggle that with, um, they were kind enough to let me use their car. Otherwise, like going to the surf spot, I was like envisioning getting Ubers like that could fit my surfboard. Because oh, um, <laughs> we weren't going to rent a car. We were landed in Santa Barbara. Um, so we were in Santa Barbara during this. And I luckily found this. I mean, it, it was like a sewage tar biochemical little spot but there was a wave there <laughs> oh, God. like everywhere else in Santa Barbara was flat um from my knowledge and so I was like okay this is what we're gonna do so I would say the most challenging day was um the day that I broke my toe and had to go to a wedding and my GoPro kind of crapped out on me and um I was going to lose footage from days before that. And I was kind of thinking ahead of like making a video um, and how am I going to do that? I'm just losing all this footage. And even today's the, that day's post and just like surfing in these mysterious water conditions. Um, also, I was losing my voice. Also, I was on my period, not to get like too TMI, but I was like, <laughs> that was like my hardest day, my struggle bus day. I was just literally like the definition of a struggle, struggle bus. bus. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all on the same day. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. When it rains, it, it pours, huh? It, it ended up, you know, like spreading out. Like, obviously, like I spent, I kept surfing with like a broken toe and like that, but the one specific day where like all of that stuff happened, Jeez. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, how am I still alive right now? <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. All right. So now give me the best day. The best day. I, I would say, I would say the best day was in Michigan um nice. because michigan i don't know if anyone listening has ever surfed in michigan but if you have i don't know have you ever surfed in michigan no and i don't think i want to <laughs> really no okay 
I, I totally would. The thing is, I'll never find myself in Michigan. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, I feel like people have different perspectives of Michigan. Like, I feel like a lot of people think of Michigan and they think of, like, Detroit because that's the capital. I don't know what to think of Michigan. All I know is I'm from New York, and that is hard enough. You know, it's cold enough. It's, it's rough enough. So if I'm traveling and going surfing, I want it to be warmer and better than New York. Yeah. And I don't know if Michigan would quite make the cut. But like I said, if I am in Michigan and I do have a ridiculously thick wetsuit and a surf, I'll paddle out, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So continuing on, surfing in Michigan to me is like a phenomenon because it's a lake, right? So they're, I, I, I'm still trying to understand and fully conceptualize how windswell works. Mm-hmm. Um, how you can generate waves like that just off of windswell and um so it's just amazing so there was this one day where we were driving and i we ended up pulling up to the spot i was like oh you know i don't know if this spot would have um anything but it's a spot that i had been going to just like at the beach since i was a kid and mm-hmm. oh excuse me and um i pulled up to it and it was literally peeling and i don't use that as an exaggeration it was literally like these two to three foot little peelers i named it little dreamers (laughs) (laughs) um and i it was all to myself because it's freaking michigan so yeah yeah yeah. the nearest surfer is like a couple thousand miles no there is a surf culture there right yeah it's a growing culture um it seems like i'm not super well versed with it but yeah, so that would probably be my favorite day because there was no one out there. It was completely unexpected. It was a special spot to my heart. And mm. I don't know, there's something that really, maybe it's because, I don't know if it's because I learned to surf in a place where I'm not actually from, but surfing where you're from, I feel like it's different, as they say. Totally. No, I can 100% attest to that. Anytime... You know, so I I work with quite a few different people. It's just natural in my business. It's just there's always different people. Um, And a common question I get is, where's your favorite place to surf? Or what's the best waves you've ever surfed? And my answer is always the same. Home, when it's pumping. You know, your your home, well, maybe not you, but for me in general, I'm home more often than any other place. And, And so it's special when it works here. When it's good here, you know, that's pretty special to be at home and scoring waves. But I think I love that your best day was in Michigan because for one, that's the unexpected answer. For two, you probably weren't expecting epic surf or any great little waves. You know, it was home. So all those things were kind of setting you up to have this low expectation of just like, oh, I'm just going to show up and I'll do whatever I, you know, I'll surf whatever I can out there. And then... (laughs) little do you realize you know there's actually going to be a decent little wave to surf and it's home so i feel like that's really what set it up to be a great day and it just goes to show like a good day of surfing isn't necessarily the day that you got the best waves or the best waves were out there it's the day that you like your mindset is right you're in a good place you have a good attitude and then there's just something to ride you're like freaking out you know um, versus when you're expecting good surf, you think it's going to be good. You're expecting it to be good. So you all your hopes and expectations are up and you get to the beach. And even if it is really good, you're almost like, Oh, it's not as good as I thought though. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Those expectations are killer. Yep. 
totally kill it. But yeah, yeah just like connect and and on also just being there by like having the wave, you know, it's just you, nature, and the wave, and it's all happening. Like I don't know, surfing here in Hawaii. Obviously, there's like usually people out and um I don't know I just I never if I get to surf alone or with a special friend or something that's I don't take that for granted because it's it's uh hard to come by here in Hawaii so I thought that part was really special too Mm. Uh, so what do you mean you like it's hard to come by in Hawaii like you don't have a lot of surfing friends there or there's too many surfing friends there (laughs) um I guess the spots that I enjoy going to, which aren't necessarily like the best spots or whatever, but there's just always people out and my home, my home break here, like the break closest to me, um, is always like popping. If, if it's not popping, there's like not a wave. And I mean, I'll go out there still and stuff, but Mm -hmm. if there's any semblance of like a wave that is, people want to ride then like there's going to be people out here and um yeah there, especially with like tourism here like there's lots of tourists that come and surf and which is fun my favorite break is actually like a tourist break mm-hmm. um, so not to knock on the tourists or anything there's just a lot of people like right always. right right no totally i mean <clears throat> we recently we released an episode i don't know if you saw but it, it, i think we called it the worst condition in surfing you know, I, did. I listened to that in Michigan, actually. Oh, nice. And I, I just kind of love it because it speaks to this very thing we're talking about. Like, you know, everyone gets all hung up on what's the tide, what's the wind, when's the swell going to be best, uh, uh, you know, and always forget to, to think about where am I going to be able to get the most waves regardless of how good they are. And crowds a huge factor in all that, especially if you're a beginner or you haven't really earned your stripes at your local spot yet. When all the guys show up, all all the people, all the guys and gals who are like good at what they do, you know, they they're probably not going to let you get many waves. <laughs> that is my first hand experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that's another thing I've noticed about the whole worst conditions thing, too. If I go out with someone and they're kind of like high expectations and, you know, they're like, well, the tide's not really right. And like, oh, my gosh, the wind is coming in like and I'm like okay so we're going out there and they'll come in and like they still will have something to say about it like well you know it was all right I mean this person this and this person that and like the wave this maybe I'm riding the wrong board blah 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 I'm like realizing I'm like wow you know this is really just about your perspective right right (laughs) Um, good on you completely different for me man (laughs) (laughs) it's Um, like you guys surf two different total sessions yeah, (laughs) yeah yeah So I definitely um, think perspective is extremely important in how your surf session is written. Right. Totally. So we call that, well, there's two ways of identifying with that and and maintaining it. I feel like knowing these things is the first step in being successful at it, you know? And so we call it the Grom mentality and the beginner's mindset, you know? Mm -hmm. And the Grom mentality is just like, you can surf anything. If you see whitewater, there's surf, there's waves to be ridden. And then the beginner's mindset is very similar. It's just like, 
I'm just excited to learn whatever I want to get out there. And I feel like those are two things you really have to guard and protect and continue to cultivate because otherwise they kind of wear out, you know, and you start hearing the other surfers talk, you start seeing them check the waves and then turn their back and go home. You start realizing like, oh, when there's offshore wind, this conditions are clean. And when it's onshore, it's not clean. And you start getting these preferences for conditions and all those things sort of erode your water time you know you start these higher and higher standards and you can get to a point where it's almost never good for you and then you never surf and then here's the worst part when it is good for you like you're like oh okay i'm finally ready to paddle out you're not in shape you can't go surf you haven't been surfing (laughs) wow you're like describing an archetype of (laughs) surfer that i encounter right well there's a lot of them so it's pretty easy to identify But it's just good to when you know something, then you can guard yourself and avoid becoming that, you know, and make sure that you're still have the Grom spirit and the beginner mindset. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think of this person um, in Michigan when I was going out there and it was like, you know, I was even questioning. I was like, okay, like it's kind of flat, but like maybe if I go um, off the jetty, like you know, maybe I'll just like surf really close to it and like, I'll catch something. But I see this guy and I overhear him. Um, and he's like talking to someone on the phone as, as he's walking out and he was like, you know, man, I'm just going to paddle out there in the middle. I feel like if you just paddle out in the middle, something's bound to happen. Like mm-hmm. a wave's going to come. You just got to wait. And, and he was just like, so optimistic about it. So carefree about it. Cause obviously there weren't like that many conditions to like understand at that point because it was pretty doggone flat but (laughs) um yeah that just reminds me of that just happy to be out there and optimistic about finding something (laughs) yeah yeah it's 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 good and it's nice when you see it in someone else you're like oh yeah that's how i'm supposed to be and it's just refreshing to hear you know Uh it's Uh nice it's nice when you hear it in somebody else it's like okay i'm not just a crazy person that like is excited to surf anything yeah yeah Um, so another reason i'm excited to have you on is because you know i a frequent request or or just mention that that listeners write in and and say is like they want to hear from more women more women surfers you know and and i i think it's still a very male dominated sport you know as many things are and the the irony is actually surfing is so suited to be a woman's sport I mean, anybody can surf, of course, but women are, have such an elegance about them and they really can be the more aesthetically pleasing look on a wave, you know, than men tend to be. Um, and so, and I, you know, they just, I think there's a number of things they're looking for, but one of the big ones is like empowerment and encouragement and just like, like permission even. Like it sounds ridiculous, but like they feel like they don't belong or there's like a weird aura when you paddle out there and there isn't another woman you're just by yourself can you talk about that a little bit like do you feel that a little or are you just like no hell no I power through and I do whatever the hell I want um I it's I was I've been talking about this topic a lot actually because um surfing for 100 days straight I definitely encountered situations that a male would never encounter going out there surfing and Yeah, definitely. Um, I was just telling someone that it's like fairly rare, like uncommon. I wouldn't say rare. It's uncommon for me to be out and there to be another female out in the water. 
And it's extremely rare that it's female dominated versus male dominated. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I feel like that can, depending on the males, it can definitely like set a tone in the water. Like I've noticed when I've been out and there's mostly females, there's just a different tone Mm. out there. um, Not saying that the male tone is bad at all, but depending on like if the waves are starting to get good, like there's this extreme, just like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, when I'm out there with a bunch of guys, which can be hard to kind of adapt to as a woman, just because that's not, I feel like our natural state, I guess, and how we connect with water. Mm. Um, But yeah, I definitely would agree. There's an elegance to, um, female surfing that I really appreciate and, and, um, I'm hoping to grow more in, but as far as things that I feel like I've experienced that males would never experience, um, is like if to, and tell, you can tell me if you've ever experienced this, but there's been times when I've gone to a spot, you know, cause you want to find those little secret spots and like, you want to do what surfers do. Um, and if there's someone out on the beach or there's someone, if you're like the only one there and you see some male, older looking male, like, I don't know. It's like, we can't just go anywhere and surf like without keeping that awareness about us. Mm -hmm. Um, I've found at least like, if I'm sure if a guy pulled up to a spot and there was like some male that was, I mean, the male probably wouldn't be looking at them as like they're going out to the water, but it's just something like as a female, like if I'm the only one there and he's the only one there and he's like staring (laughs) at me, like that, that makes me feel uncomfortable and it makes me feel unsafe to surf that spot. Um, and that could literally alter my entire, like, I might have to go somewhere else or I just can't surf that day. I mean, it's a choice, but like, I don't know. It's just those little things. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, that's why it's important. I feel like to talk about because I'm a man. I never had that experience, exactly that experience, you know? So I want to understand it so that I don't be that guy that you're talking about, you know? That it's like more welcoming, that it's more like, hey, hey, I know this spot pretty well. Do you know it? Here, paddle out over here. You know, I don't know. Just really get it because it, it kind of bums me out to hear these kinds of things, you know, that there's this wariness or there's a little bit of a fear or something. You know, I, I, I think that's it's kind of unfortunately built into just the animal kingdom, you know, the male female relationships, but we're human and we intelligence and we, we can be wiser and we can adjust our behavior and we can be better than an animal can be, you know? So I feel like that starts with conversation and understanding and talking to each other, you know? Um, so did like, is it often that this happens to you or do you feel like it's just an occasional thing that you find yourself in a circumstance like that? Because Hawaii is so populated, I feel like it's not that often, but it's something that I've been kind of becoming almost becoming more aware and preparing myself for Michigan, just because I know Michigan is it's, there's more space, like there's more little spots, there's more little beaches. And um, I'm sure if there's other women surfing on the mainland, like I'm sure this is something also I'm not, you know, maybe in California, maybe along the East Coast or something but um it's it's 
I've not yet, I've not experienced many circumstances that are outside of the water. Um, but that just came up in my head when I was doing my 100 days of summer because I knew I was going to be going to spots while I was traveling by myself mm-hmm. um, and just kind of navigating that. There were like a handful of situations um, while I was traveling that I I didn't feel like fully comfortable with, but it wasn't to the point where I was like, maybe there was one other person like on the beach and I was like, okay, that's good enough. <laughs> I'm going out. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in the water is a whole different story. I'm sure there's lots of females who could like attest to not enjoying that one guy in the lineup who's like, go for it, go for it. You go, 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 go. Like the, the guy who's just like, he's like, okay, now start paddling. Like, and you're like, I know what to do, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> a little too pushy. Yeah. Or you gotta like, as a female, I don't know if you've ever experienced this as a guy, but like, I've literally had to like navigate surf breaks and paddle different places just from people like hitting on me and stuff mm. like because there's so many guys so they just want to talk and about whatever I don't know stuff and and I'm trying to surf man yeah 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 <laughs> I read it it's so funny you say that I read in an article in Surfer magazine so many years ago I forgot what kind of column it was. It really was so long ago. I'm barely remembering this, but one in particular part, it was like a note to guys like guy, uh, girls are paddling out to surf, not to look for dates. So back up guys or something. I just had to giggle at myself because it's like, man, are guys really out there trying to pick up girls like while they're surfing? (laughs) Seems like a fair amount. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But yeah, those are just some in relation to how like, males and females relate outside of the water and then in the water um but i would definitely encourage any girls if they're listening to not be afraid as long as you're following the protocols like don't drop in on people just because you're like well i'm a female so right right (laughs) good good point you know like that is still (laughs) like (laughs) it doesn't go the other way either that you get everything given yeah. to you. You still we're surfers. That's how it should be. I like that idea. Like let's yeah. put gender aside. We're all surfers. We all have to follow the same rules so that everybody stays safe and gets their fair share or at least fair share of opportunities. What you do with those opportunities is on, you know, on you. But um, yeah, no, you have a good healthy take on it. I think I, I, I like that. And it's just nice to hear, you know, because like I said, I'm just trying to, understand better for my own benefit uh, like my own growth as a person you know and it's, mm-hmm. it's only been made aware to me because women write in and they say like hey love the podcast but you have like two girls on the show like what get some more girl guests and I'm like okay I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying man. Uh, yeah I and something else I've noticed um too if I could communicate that um when I've been out there, I've noticed some guys like will use it as a tactic of being like, Oh, you should go for, you can go for this one. You can go for this one. Um, and I would just encourage people. I don't know if anyone else has experienced that where like, Oh, well, I mean, he's letting me go for everything, but like, there's a whole other lineup out there. So just remembering that, like, you know, just because one person is like letting you go for it, depending on the positioning, like just, I've had to remind myself, like, kind of 
well, there's other people here. He's not the ringleader of the lineup. Mm-hmm. So, right. so just being aware of that. Um, and like, you just, don't need you know, permission from that one guy is what you're saying. You know, like you can go hunt down your own waves. Kind of, I guess I'm saying like, I don't know. I've gotten, um, I'm like so focused on the wave. And then this person is saying like, go for it, go for it. And I get distracted and I forget that there's other people in the water. Hmm. So I guess this isn't much about being a female, but more so just, I have to remind myself and it, cause it's usually guys telling me like to go for it, but to remember the order and like the lineup of it and mm. not take, don't, you know, just cause we are female, like doesn't mean that we still have to follow the rules basically. Yeah. Right that's what you're saying. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> okay. So we got it. We got to hit this part cause it is the kook cast. What's the kookiest moment now? Not the worst day you had, you know, uh-huh. we already covered that, but what's the kookiest thing that you're like, oh God, I don't even want to put that on video or I'm glad I didn't get that on video or I can't believe I did get it on video. You know, one of those situations. Oh, wow. Um, well, considering I've like titled myself a kooks journal, I feel like I have a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So give us one of your favorites. One of my favorites. Um, okay. Well, I haven't touched on this yet. When I went river surfing in Michigan. Mm. That was a very kooky experience through and through. <laughs> that was because um, I knew when I was going to Michigan that I was like, it was gonna, I was gonna have to get creative at some points. Oh no, no, no! Oh wait, which one? Okay, now I just thought of another one. Okay, okay, you can um, do both I'm, if you want. <laughs> I'll go, I'll go, I'll go this other story first because, because there's a a definitive story versus like an experience. Okay. So I was had to get creative one day um, because I was going camping with my family and where we were at, there was like no real waves at all. Um, and I, we were trying to, we were in a spot with like a lot of little lakes. So everything was flat and my partner and I were literally looking on maps, like trying to find these like rivers and trying to find like where the river might go out. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe like churn up some more water and potentially be able to surf. <laughs> so we're like looking in the boonies and we come across this. We're like, okay, this is where it would be. And so we walk on this property and there's this family in this little cabin, um, next to us sorry someone's mowing their lawn um i didn't know if you could hear that but so someone is um there's this family next to us and we don't see any river outlet anywhere just this flat lake and i'm like great and i'm about to go eat dinner with my family so i'm like i gotta get i don't know how i'm gonna get my waving for the day and daniel um he asks this family, starts talking to them and he musters up the courage to like ask them because they had a jet ski. Um, and he was like, so he was explaining, we were explaining like my whole surfing thing. And they were like, well, we have to return this jet ski in 10 minutes. But like, if you wanted to like catch a wave off this jet ski, you definitely could. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like, well, let's, let's do it. And I'm, and I'm like, so focused on like getting it 
So I'm like running because they only have 10 minutes before they have to go like and return it. And I'm like, okay, so I get on the board, I'm in the water and everyone's like telling me what to do. Like, okay, position yourself here and put your thing. I'm like, and I'm realizing like, I don't even, I don't even know how this is going to work. Like this is, I don't, I, and so I'm trying to listen to what they're saying and I'm getting so confused (laughs) and, um, <laughs> they so what they did is they had the guy holding on to the end of my leash that would connect to the surfboard and I put the ankle part of my leash around my wrist <laughs> and so he starts going I'm like paddling and my arms like dangling but I'm like trying to paddle with the other and um two times I just like completely ate it and I can tell this guy the jet ski he was like not a part of the plan he just kind of like was the one who was returning the jet ski so he was like okay one more time then I gotta go (laughs) um and it was honestly looking back like pretty I feel like it could have been dangerous like hooking it to I feel like I should have just held it Um, because what he did is like so he'd, I'd be like, okay, let go. And then he'd let go. And I'd try to like ride the wake of this jet ski. Of a jet ski? Oh, no. On my eight foot soft top board. <laughs> so the last time he um, it managed to happen for like eight seconds or, or like eight milliseconds, I should say. I started- <laughs> and I was like, yes. Um, and then he literally like left me in the middle of the lake and I paddled back <laughs> and they were like yeah <laughs> but I would say because I felt like such an, a fool I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> that's a yeah, was, that's a good one you you did it you did a good job there because that's a, a lot of levels of kookery there attaching the leash to your wrist well I guess the only thing worse than that would have been attaching it to your neck <laughs> Yeah, trying right? to ride a jet ski wake um in the lake that's that's pretty funny great story <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was it, um it was one of those experiences where like if i wasn't on this journey with the 100 days i never ever ever would have done that in my life right right um, right desperate so times it's like one of the yeah so yeah funny. yeah so that was probably one of my most kooky moments, but I do have others. <laughs> okay, so okay, so before we wrap up, right now you're in Hawaii, right? You're moving to Michigan, though. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Officially yes, full time. Is very... that is that like a school move, or is it like a just a temporary move, or kind of a thing, or full on? You're moving back. Um, I'm full on moving back. Right on, so and you're going to be a Michigan local. Oh yeah, I'm gonna start saying all the local local Michigan terms. I've heard we have an accent. Um, <laughs> I've heard we had. That's what I've heard about New Yorkers, but I don't think I have one. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. same. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited. I'm coming back just in time for fall and winter, so it's gonna be my first experience like snow winter surfing. Mm-hmm. Um, Hawaii, I feel like I'm gonna cry like a little, but yeah i think i'll be i think it'll be good i think you're gonna cry a little too it's brutal (laughs) (laughs) especially coming from hawaii 
And I think Michigan's colder than New York, and I cry a little bit in New York, so. Yeah. <laughs> but, you cry a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's just rough, man. The more the more I do it, the more I don't want to do it. Like, surfing New York in the winter. It's, it's, um, no, you know, I can't say that. I'm just being, like, I'm just being spoiled. I've done it all my life, you know? So now I'm at a point where... Anytime I go anywhere that's remotely even just a few degrees warmer, I'm like in like just California, even, you know, in the middle of winter over here, I'm wearing a hood, boots, gloves, full on winter gear, you know, and in California, same time of year, it's a four, three, which actually I love my four, three. It's like my, my superhero suit, you know, <laughs> makes me feel all like strong and protected. Right. Um, but even just that, it just spoils me. And I'm like, man. And then I come home and I'm like, oh, you have to put on the wetsuit and the boots. And then what do you do when you're done? Like you get changed in the parking lot? No, hell no. You go home in your wet wetsuit, all clammy and damp and get changed in the shower where it's warm. It's just a process. And you really have to be strong hearted to look at conditions that you know you can surf but aren't the best and say, hey, I'm going to suit up. I'm going to put all this gear on. I'm going to go surf in that freezing cold water. And, and, you know, do the thing. Do you mind if I ask you a question about that? Of course. Because I'm completely, like, unaware. Um, <laughs> do, uh, okay, well, I guess I have a couple questions. But Hit me. It was, helpful, it was helpful to know that you drive home in your wetsuit. Like, I was, I was thoroughly wondering how that, how that works. Um, but I, I, I'm blanking on the question that I just had, but, um, well, let me tell you about driving home in your wetsuit and maybe you'll remember it. First of all, okay. I wouldn't do it in more of a 10 or 15 minute drive home. You know, it's, it's something that like, I'm right over here home. I have a little process for doing it. You know, I have a little mat. I can ruin my car seats and all that. And, uh, yeah. And that's just because you don't want to freeze your ass off getting out of your wetsuit when you're wet and it's howling freezing cold wind you know if you have to do it you have to do it and i've done it plenty in my life when i'm not 10 minutes away from home but um yeah it does kind of make it a little easier to say yes to surfing in the winter gotcha okay i did remember my question Good. um i've been curious how being in cold water in the winter would like affect my health because I feel like it could affect it very poorly or very positively. Because I think of, do you know who? Um, Wim Hof? I don't remember his first name. Wim Hof, yeah. Because mm -hmm. he goes he in the cold water, but for specific amounts of time. And that improves his health for very, or it improves health for various reasons. But I've also heard like being in the cold weakens your immune system. So mm. I'm interested if you've. Well, I guess my first my first advice to that would be, well, first of all, my experience is no negative effects. I have pushed it too far, like when I was getting cold and the waves were good and I just insisted. Like I kept forcing myself to stay out and I should have just gotten out when I felt cold. And that was going to be the next part of my question is just listen to your body. Like your body tells you what you need to know. And if you're getting cold, it hurts. Your body hurts for a reason. It wants you to stop whatever it is you're doing to it, you know? So as soon as you get cold, get out of the water. But I do think it's a good thing. You know, the difference also between you and Wim Hof is you're going to have proper gear. He's using like these breathing techniques and a strength of mind. And he's going to a special place in his head to like stay calm and in freezing cold temperatures for a little while. Whereas you are going to be bundled up in a really advanced 
technological like advan- uh, like a, a wetsuit that's been developed over the last 50, 70 years, whatever. So they're pretty good nowadays. In fact, the worst part about a wetsuit is getting in and out of it when it's cold. Once you're in it and in the water, that's like the warmest you'll be all day. I actually am more cold checking waves, you know, and I'm in my like the wind's blowing and I'm checking the surf outside in the cold. That's like the time I'm cold. Once I get the suit on and I'm in the water, I'm actually warm. You know, you're working and you're, you're just, you're, your wetsuit's like an insulator, you wow. know, and all that effort you're doing to paddle and move around just bakes you in this oven and it is toasty warm. So, okay, my, my biggest advice would be get a good wetsuit. Don't skimp on the wetsuit. Like people, like I think it's okay to save money on a surfboard or get something that's affordable. Yeah, whatever, because you can practice the skills you need to practice on any board. But the wetsuit, that's a different story. Get the best one you can find. Doesn't matter the brand, I don't think so much. They're all really good, you know, but just get the liquid tape seams, get the, um, you know, like whatever, like any, all the, the seaming options like the glue seams the the liquid tape double blind stitch whatever like because that's where you lose your heat is through the seams most of all um and just the high end whatever brand you like best get the high end of it because and if you take care of your suit it'll last you a couple seasons and i'm telling you there's been sessions in the water where i'm so cold like yeah i saved 50 dollars on my suit this is going back when i was a kid and i before I learned this lesson, but like I saved $50 on the wetsuit, but then I'm out there in the water and I'm like, I would pay $50 right now to warm up, you know? And that would be, and I mean that just for this session, I could have paid $50 more for a better wetsuit and been warm every session. So get the better wetsuit, the good boots that fit good, make sure everything fits well, you know, get, get mittens, not gloves. You know, you want your fingers all together in a mitten. And the lobsters okay. don't even get lobsters just get the mittens it feels awkward but you don't need your fingers when you surf yeah <laughs> just go scooping away with your little mittens and your round toe boots and your four five four um you know fully hooded and then rinse that thing out when you get home take good care of it and and like that's the best advice i would have for any um surfer going venturing off into the winters in the higher latitudes like where we are gotcha that is very helpful. Thank you. Right on. Well, Holly, unless you have another question, I think we'll wrap it up. I think I'm good. All right, yeah. cool. Well, you can always hit me up and ask me like cold water questions because I am well-versed in the cold. I spend most of the year in wetsuits. I'm also um, like terribly skinny and have no meat on my bones, so <laughs> I get cold so easily. Even when I was a kid, I remember like all the boys would be jumping off the docks in the summer, you know, doing flips, this and that. And I'd be like shivering in the back, like (laughs) hoping everybody's like getting ready to finish up this game because I'm like cold 15 minutes in. I've worn wetsuits my entire life and not been ashamed of it. (laughs) Yeah, same kind of. I get cold easily, so this should be exciting. All right. I'll definitely hook you up with that. Get a good wetsuit. Holly, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk a little bit about what you did this summer and your journey in surfing. It's so good for people to hear just from other surfers that like, hey, it was hard for you too. And you had to endure some weird situations and you had to push through hard days and and still get your, your couple waves in for the day. You know, everyone needs to remember like surfing is not easy. It's pretty damn hard actually. And what, what really defines you as a surfer is persevering through it, you know? So good on you and thank you for sharing it all. Thank you. And thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. And um, 
thank you yeah thank you <laughs> right on well i'll let you know when we put it out there and uh i'll i'll be following your journey still uh what's well, tell us uh your instagram and your youtube and all that so people can find you okay um it's just called a kook's journal a kook's journal on instagram yep is that the and on youtube's the same okay is that your two major channels you use yeah, you know, I got a TikTok because I felt like time, but I haven't really done anything. Yeah, with yeah, it. yeah. I know. I, I haven't gotten on that trend. I don't think I will. <laughs> I, I barely can keep up with Instagram, so. I know, right? So, yeah, Instagram and YouTube is a big enough mm. venture. Yeah, yeah. Enough on your plate there. All right, you heard it, peeps. A Kook's Journal. Go check it out. Holly, thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. You too. Bye.